This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, everyone. It is the Daily Tip from Becky Will, presented by BetMGM on a Monday. I know, that's the worst. You're getting up, you're getting going, but we're going to try to make things a little bit better. Coming up in the final hour, we will delve into today's NBA schedule with the Cavaliers, trying to keep their five-game winning streak alive. At 820, we will continue previewing Super Bowl 58 and answer some of the biggest questions going into the game with some Actually, some statistics that might surprise you a little bit. And finally, we'll bring you our best bets at 840 with the Donkster looking to stay smoking hot. Chelsea, we will get into the NBA and have some headlines as well, but I wanted to call back to college basketball for a second because this was another viral video that we saw over the weekend. During the Carolina-Duke game, official Roger Ayers went over to the sideline, over to the booth to tell the announcers that he was... He was essentially calling a hook and hold on Carolina's R.J. Davis. And as he was explaining this, this is what he told everyone before he made the call. Listen to this. Here comes Roger Ayers. About to get moved real bad here. I'm going to upgrade that to a hook and play up on R.J. Davis. I'm about to get booed real bad here. This ain't going to work out. I'm upgrading this call. Oh, I'm going to get booed real bad. That was amazing and i'm sure he knew the camera was on at the same time that was a very honest moment knowing i'm gonna make this call and when i do it's not gonna work out well for me (laughs) well at least he knew which i'm sure if you were a seasoned referee you probably know when the booze are gonna rain down especially when you're in an environment like that where you have a rivalry matchup you have the student section uh who's gonna be going crazy because Think about like college kids. Even if the call is a good one, they're going to boo any call that goes against them. You know, like it doesn't matter if it's the best call in the world. They're college kids. They want to get loud and they want to get rowdy. So at least he has the wherewithal to know at least, hey, this is coming. Part of that video that I love so much was not just him saying that, but there's a longer version where as soon as he makes the call or as soon as the as soon as the student section or the fans in attendance in Chapel Hill saw what was going on with the call, like their reactions to a person when he said he was about to get booed. Oh, he got more than booed. You would see guys mouthing things like, what the F? Or are you effing? I mean, people were losing their minds. So he knew it was coming. 
And I'll tell you, he was he was absolutely right. It's one thing too. I feel like it's one thing to make a call like that in any game, but especially in a rivalry game with two of the best teams in the country. That just adds to it where you're going to get booed in that situation probably more than any other. Yeah, uh, so it's not shocking. But, you know, that's just part of the rivalry, and that's what makes it fun, at least for us watching at home. Maybe not for the referees. You know what's not fun? Being a Philadelphia 76ers fan right now or holding a Joel Embiid MVP future because that future is not coming home. It is over. At least your chance to win that future. Joel Embiid is having a procedure on his left knee for a meniscus tear, I believe. He's leading the NBA with more than 35 points per game. But the Sixers are saying not only will this keep him out a significant amount of time, we're hopeful he will return for the regular season. And now we know how it is in the NBA where you have to play at least 65 games where you have to play at least 65 to be eligible for a postseason award like the MVP. And the NBA instituted this rule so that all this load management nonsense would not be a factor. And you don't have to decide how many games is enough games. But here we are. And that's the one thing with Joel Embiid, obviously the reigning MVP. But we've said this before, whenever you make a bet on him to be the guy, you always take a risk with him getting injured. And once again, we're seeing it right now. Well, he's also just a large human being. So imagine carrying all of that weight around, you know, for a grueling NBA schedule. And plus somebody who already kind of got the monkey off his back and winning the MVP last season, maybe the urgency wasn't quite there. Although he had a great stretch of scoring like 30 plus points in like all of these games. But I think the more concerning thing is the Sixers without Joel Embiid have not been a good team. Tyrese Maxey, we know, can score. But overall, you look at the Sixers without Embiid, they've lost 10 of their 14 games without him. So I think the worst part is, okay, this is the reigning MVP, but also the biggest part of the Philadelphia 76ers, who maybe had a shot in the East, but now feels like they don't. Oh, God. That's just brutal. I've heard this before, and Matt just put this in the chat, and I've heard this a couple times. Is this an overreaction where you hear the Sixers need to trade Joel Embiid? We're talking about the most valuable player, but he has such an injury history that has followed him throughout his career, MVP or no. And so you get rid of him now to get maximum value for a guy that may not be able to stay healthy enough for you to be as good as you can be with him in the lineup. Is that too much? Or is it an actual consideration where you say, yeah, he's awesome, but if he's not going to be healthy, let's get something or a draft pick or other players for him and sort of mitigate the problems that we're seeing? Uh, That's a predicament that I wouldn't want to be faced with because do you really want to trade away one of the best players in the entire league? That means you are committing to a rebuild. That means you are going to be in the bottom of the NBA. You might as well trade everybody if you're going to trade Joel Embiid. So I don't necessarily think so. Mm. It's tough, though, because you could probably get a lot for him. I think a lot of it is dependent on how many picks or how many guys you can get for him. Like, it's always price dependent. But I feel like if I was a Sixers fan, Mm -hmm. that would sting a lot. Because when you're a fan of a team – 
and the face of the franchise gets traded away. Like, that's how I felt when we've been hearing all these talks about Derrick Henry being traded. Yeah. I get it. You know, from a standpoint of, okay, let's try to trade him before he goes on the steep decline. But still, you got to sell tickets. Like, I feel like that goes into it, too. So I think the biggest question is, are you committed to starting the rebuild now? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. I wouldn't do it because I don't want to be noticed the guy who trades away the most valuable player and then all of a sudden he stays healthy and he just dominates for the next 10 years. I don't want to do that. I understand the thought process behind it, but at least me personally, I don't think I would be doing that. Chelsea, let's talk about today's slate in the National Basketball Association. Let's start Cleveland. Kings at the Cavaliers. Cavaliers laying four and a half. They are minus 200 on the money line. The Kings are plus 165. Your total is 234 and a hook at BetMGM. Please send me a roll, guys. Where are you going here, Chelsea? Cavaliers have been hot. One five straight. Do they cover tonight? Yeah, I think that's probably the way that I'm leaning. Definitely not the favorite game on the slate tonight because it does feel like the Kings are one of those teams that are fully capable of competing with the best teams mm -hmm. in the league. But if you look at Sacramento in this spot, they've not been good as underdogs, just six and seven. And also away from home, they're not quite as good as they have been in Sacramento. You've got to remember, this is a long way from Sacramento, 15-11 on the road this year. And Cleveland's been really good at home, 17-8 and eight overall and against the spread uh, at home, 13-11-1. and one. So not quite as good, but this line is super high i would lean towards cleveland here but again not my favorite play yeah i i kind of like the kings a little bit but the, the money right now is coming on the calves no question but i will say sacramento 16 9 and 1 on the road this season that's tops in the nba they're four and one straight up over their last five i just don't know if i want to fade a hot team so man Matt is saying this hit around six about an hour ago, maybe come back down a little bit. So we're seeing that Cleveland money coming in. I don't like to pick against the money. I would lean Kings, but I'm like you, not my favorite game on the schedule tonight. How about the Mavs and the 76ers? We were just talking about Philly, how they're going to fare for the rest of the season without Joel Embiid. The Mavs are laying a point and a half. The Mavs are minus 120 on the money line. The Sixers are even money. Total set at 242 and a hook. This line seems a little short, which makes me wonder – who is going to be playing for Dallas tonight. Maybe they're going to be at full strength, but do you have a lean here? I think whenever there is an injury that takes a lot of attempts and a lot of you know minutes off the court, you look to other players. And so for yeah. the Sixers, without Joel Embiid, my first thought was, okay, let's take somebody for the other team and their rebounds. The problem is the Mavs don't really have a center that is, you know, tops in rebounds. It's Luka Doncic that actually uh, averages the most rebounds on the team. So maybe the difference down low is not going to be the biggest of difference makers here. But then I was like, okay, who's the backup center for the Sixers? It is B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed. But unfortunately, the books are not offering any numbers because the matchup actually is pretty good for Paul Reed. No, he's not Joel Embiid. But I was thinking maybe we get a low number here because this is one area that the Mavericks have not been good at is rebounding. They're giving up the third most rebounds to opposing centers and opposing teams of any team in the NBA. So I thought maybe Paul Reed could take advantage. He's been very up and down in limited minutes, but it's a wash. There's no number on Paul Reed. So yeah. just research down the drain for me. <laughs> Do you think there'll be one posted later on today? Probably not. 
He's not somebody who's like a key player. And because he's only played like a few games where he's playing like big minutes, they probably Mm -hmm. don't have enough of a sample size. Cause that's the thing about the sports books. If they don't have, you know, the confidence and a number that they think they post it where it should be, they just won't post it. That's the problem. Like they'll give you all the star players, but when it comes to these fringy guys who are, you know, not given like this huge sample size, they just won't post it. Yeah, no, it's true. Then you just have to either look and get lucky or just wait until they finally do. But then what's bad about that is you're like, hey, I am on this. I think I have a strong read here. And then by the time they finally do post it, the market is caught up. So you lose the value you would have gotten otherwise. I think I like the Mavs here, but this number seems a little, little, I don't know, a little specious to me. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think more than anything, the reason why I'll stay away from this game is that I want to see how the Sixers adjust because when Embiid was first out of the lineup a couple nights ago against the Jazz or last week, all of a sudden Tyrese Maxey was unbelievable, drops 51, but that's not a sustainable way to win basketball games. And then the Sixers take on the Nets and the Nets focus on shutting down Tyrese Maxey and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to make other guys beat us instead. And they couldn't do it. So this seems like a short price on Dallas. I want to see how the Sixers adjust to Embiid being out and the maxi points prop, by the way, is 30 and a, maybe that's the better bet because huh. I feel like I know it's high, but if the Sixers are going to, especially with a total of 242 and a hook, I think it's doable that the Sixers are going to win. Maxi is going to have to go off. Lakers and the Hornets tonight in Charlotte. The Lakers are laying 10 and a half. The Lakers are minus 500 on the money line. If you like the Hornets, God help you. They're plus 375. Total is 228 and a hook, Chelsea. Give me the play. I don't think I want to lay 11 and a half with the Lakers. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, this is one of those games that it's just, it feels like a waste of time to me when you see these massive numbers. Although we have seen some really crooked scores in the NBA this year when we see the blowouts. Uh, but if you look at Charlotte, let's see if we can make a case for the Hornets here. 0-7 against the spread in their last seven games. Don't think we can do it there for the Lakers. Uh, we've got all the big names questionable. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, both questionable. So, like, do you really want to play this game? My answer is a resounding no. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's just the number's way too big. Although I will say this. If you want to lay it with the Lakers, I I get it. The Hornets are just playing such terrible basketball right now. And the Lakers are the second best over team on the road. Maybe that's the way to go. I kind of like the over the more I think about it. Because the Hornets are one of the worst defensive squads in the NBA. So, I think I might lean to the over. But ultimately... I don't know. I'm trying to find a side on this game. And Chelsea, I'll tell you something. I just can't find it. It is a hard pass for this guy as well. Here's one that may interest you. And I think this is an interesting game. Clippers at the Hawks. Clippers laying two and a half points. Clippers minus 145 on the money line. The Hawks are plus 120. The total is set at 241 and a hook. I'm going to say something I never thought I'd say on this show. I kind of like the Hawks tonight. Back end of a back-to-back for the Clippers. The Hawks, surprisingly, have been playing really well. They've won four straight against pretty good competition. So the Hawks at home against the Clippers team that has to be tired. This is the end of the road trip. Second game of a back-to-back. I kind of like the Hawks and the points. The question is, do I have the guts to play it? Now, normally, I would agree with you. And normally, when there is a fishy line involving the Hawks, 
You take mm-hmm. the Hawks, but the Hawks uh, are going to be without Clint Capella down low. Somebody who is averaging well over 10 rebounds, uh, I think he has like an adductor strain, but I think that's going to be a big blank space that the Hawks are going to have to fill. Yeah, he had 15 boards and 17 points last time mm-hmm. around against Golden State. So I would like some kind of prop on Aviga Zubats, but they are not offering. Uh, he's back. He has been out for, you know, the last few weeks. He's back. Down low should be a mismatch in favor of the Clippers. Okay, let's watch out for that game. Coming up next on the show. Oh, it is Super Bowl week, baby. Kyle Shanahan has been in big moments before in the game and come up short. What will happen on Sunday? We'll discuss some burning questions next on the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by Adam Jim. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show on a Monday. It is a new day for Well, we said Jim. We are live across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. Coming up, Patrick Mahomes looks to add to his legacy, but his Super Bowl performances haven't been as amazing as you might think. Still pretty good, obviously, but we will talk about that and go into some burning questions when it comes to Super Bowl 58. Chelsea, did you see Bill Belichick over the weekend? I was surprised to see this. He took out a full play, a full page ad in the Boston Globe to thank Patriots fans for basically his time in New England. And he said, this is just in part, it's a very long ad, again, in the newspaper. And it says, quote, You may even have enjoyed my fashion sense and press conferences, or maybe you tolerated them. I love coaching here, and together we experienced some amazing moments. I have to say, I thought this was very classy and also surprising. Bill Belichick is a guy who, and he alluded to this, and he's very self-aware, feels like to me, knows that his press conferences haven't been ones where he has expounded very much on how he feels about the fans or anything else, unless it's strictly football related. And even then he can be a hard pull, but I thought this was a very classic and old school act too. When is the last time a coach or player said, I'm going to take out an ad in the paper, a full page ad instead of releasing some sort of statement on Twitter or whatever. But I love this and you can read through the entire thing. Again, it's it's a lot more than just a few sentences, but I thought this was very well done and a little surprising. Well, Bill Belichick doesn't have snap face, Instagram, (laughs) Facebook. Do you remember that quote when he was talking about social media? So it makes sense that he would do the newspaper, but it does feel like, in his later years, he has softened a bit. Like, remember, mm-hmm. people were asking him about Taylor Swift. And I feel like years ago, he would have snapped at reporters and said, okay, we're talking about football. But similar to what we saw from Nick Saban, you know, this past year, where I think people were saying, okay, this is not the old Nick Saban that we've seen. He's a lot nicer. That yeah. maybe it's the same deal with Bill Belichick, that he has softened, you know, as his career is coming to a close. 
or maybe not. Maybe so no. go somewhere. I think so. Oh, no, I think that's absolutely the case. And time has a way of doing that to you. And also, when you've had the success that he's had, and I still think he wants to coach, by the way. We have not seen the last of Belichick on the sideline. But I, I do think when you're able to sort of get past, all right, my time here is done. Now I can be a little bit more reflective. Then you can sort of say, you know what, it, this is a little – I'm softening a little bit based on being able to look back and see the entire picture because in the moment you're frustrated, you want to win and you don't like that. Maybe you're going out on terms that you didn't anticipate, but ultimately that's just a small part of the entire story. I also think like true competitors and really successful people know mm -hmm. how to put the blinders on when they are in the thick of success and knowing, Hey, this is not the time to reflect. Like, it's not the time for me to say, oh, it's been a great season, you know, right before the Super Bowl. You've got to put the blinders on and, you know, we're on to Cincinnati or whatever the quote was from Bill Belichick. So maybe it's that, too, because I do think it's tough to mm -hmm. reflect on, like, the good times when you're in them, you know, trying to make it relatable yeah. to everybody's life because we don't all coach, you know, generationally great football teams. But I think that goes into it as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And good on him. And I think that even though Patriots fans were ready to move on, certainly they'll have that similar perspective, which is what a run for us and Bill Belichick. And again, Bill Belichick, it looks like this year he will, I don't know if we're going to TV or not, but I don't think we've seen the last of him. Okay, Chelsea. So CBS Sports did a, a really nice job of throwing out some burning questions before Super Bowl 58. And so let's go through a few of these at least. And I, I want your take here because I think these are, are fascinating questions. And the first one kind of shocked me, which is, will Patrick Mahomes have more Super Bowl woes? Now, woes is maybe, maybe sounds like a harsh word, but here's what they're saying. Out of every playoff round, the Super Bowl, at least for Mahomes, is his least productive He's thrown more interceptions, four, in his three Super Bowls than he has in his other 14 playoff games combined, only three. I know that sounds like sacrilege to even suggest for a moment that Patrick Mahomes might have a bad game in the biggest game on the planet, but the numbers are the numbers. Is that a concern of yours at all? I think interceptions are a tricky metric sometimes because if you're down – and you were trying to make something work. Say it's a Hail Mary. Like that interception counts the same as, you know, an interception sure. that's in, you know, on a third down or something. So I think that's not the only metric you should look at. But also remember the Super Bowl in which he struggled the most against yeah. Tampa Bay. That was the year that his offensive line was absolutely terrible. And Tampa Bay had this great defense. That year he had a completion percentage of 53%. He was running around behind the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. He had two interceptions, you know, in that game alone. So I think that the the thing you would look at is, okay, is his offensive line good this year? And is the opposing defensive line one that could get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes? And it's tricky. It's not just pressure because we know Patrick Mahomes is actually really good when he gets blitz. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't feel like that is – the storyline going into this year's Super Bowl. Because the offensive line has not been the problem in Kansas City. Yeah. So I don't think we see a repeat of that. I don't think so either. And I think ultimately, if you're Kansas City, then you don't really have to worry about 
protecting Patrick Mahomes. They, they've been awesome at that. If you're the mm-hmm. Niners, I think you have to find creative ways. If you're just going to look to get four-man fronts and try to get pressure that way, it's not going to work out for you. So if you're going to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I think you have to get creative and select the right spots to do that. And then maybe then maybe that's the right way to go about it. But I'm with you. That that offensive front has been great for Patrick Mahomes. And against the Bucs when he was running for his life, I mean, he just had no time to throw. I remember watching or looking at a, a metric that they showed after that game, and it was how much Tom Brady had to move in that game versus Patrick Mahomes. And you just saw Tom Brady in one little circle. He didn't have to go anywhere. He could just sit in the pocket and throw all day. And Patrick Mahomes was like, yeah, I'm running over here. Yeah, I'm running over here. Whoa, I'm over here. I don't think he's going to have to do that against the Niners. Speaking of the Niners, can they buck the Super Bowl rematch trend? Five of the previous seven times in which teams have met again in the Super Bowl, we've seen a repeat winner. To me, I will say, to me, this doesn't really move the needle either way because each team is, is different, right? Trends are going to naturally occur in the wild, if you will. Some trends I think are meaningful, like betting against Patrick Mahomes when he's a dog. That's a very significant trend that you have to certainly take into account if you're going to bet this game. But something like this, I'm just like, you know, these are completely different teams. I think the quarterbacks are different here. Teams from top to bottom have different rosters. So this is something I don't really worry about. Yeah, this trend goes in the trash can for me. This is similar to a roulette wheel and saying, okay, it has Mm -hmm. landed on red three straight times. That means it's got to go to black at some point, right? No, it doesn't. It can continue going on red. And I have learned that lesson the hard way, my friends. It feels like one of those instances where each and every instance is its Mm -hmm. own set of probabilities, especially when you're talking about different teams. Like it would be one thing if it was like, okay, the rematch of these two teams with the Mm -hmm. same players and the same coaches and the same set of circumstances, but it's not. So yeah, this trend is a pass for me. I'm the same way. Here is a, I think, more of an interesting question than you might anticipate. Who wins the matchup between Travis Kelsey and the Niners linebackers? Now, obviously, Travis Kelsey is the best in the game. However, when it comes to San Francisco's defense, they are particularly good at slowing down tight ends. They have allowed the seventh fewest yards per reception and second fewest yards after the catch per reception against tight ends this season. Now, in three career previous games against the Niners, Mahomes has completed 20 of 24 targets to Kelsey for 255 yards and a score. So who has the edge here? I think it's still Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey is not your normal, average, run-of-the-mill tight end. He is one of the game's greatest. And just look at the last time out for the Niners. Guess who else has a pretty solid tight end that maybe is not on the level of Travis Kelsey yet? But Sam Laporta had nine catches for 97 yards for the Detroit Lions against this very uh, San Francisco defense. So I think Travis Kelsey always has the edge. It always feels like he's open. And here's the thing. People saying, well, they're going to game plan against him. Mm -hmm. What do you think people have been doing for like the past five (laughs) years? Everyone and their mom knows the ball is going to Travis Kelsey, but yet he's still finding ways to get open, and especially in the end zone. Because think about the secondary and think about how big Travis Kelsey is. That is a huge mismatch in the end zone. So I feel like Travis Kelsey still has the upper hand. Yeah, I would agree. And I think part of that for me, again, I don't like to go off a one-game sample size, but certainly when you look at the Ravens game against the Chiefs, 
with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. I mean, those guys are absolute maniacs. They're fantastic linebackers, and yet Kelsey still found a way. And like you were saying, look, every team is going to game plan. We're trying to slow down Kelsey. And if the Ravens had a hard time doing it, I feel like the Niners will as well. So I would give that edge to Travis Kelsey. Maybe not as explosive as he was against Baltimore, but certainly I expect him to have some sort of success. Okay, here's another burning question. Will Kyle Shanahan blow a lead? Oh, here we go. This is going to be talked about. He has coached in two of the largest blown leads in Super Bowl history. Of course, offensive coordinator of the Falcons when they were leading 28-3. Remember how that turned out? He was also on top 20-10 as head coach of the Niners when they faced the Chiefs last time out. In the fourth quarter of each of those defeats, Shanahan's teams combined for zero points, a completion percentage of 39%, and went 0 for 6 on third down. Is this exaggerated, or do you think in the moment there's a possibility that Kyle Shanahan could clam up a little bit? It feels like we got to pick a narrative here because remember going into the postseason, we said the narrative was okay, Kyle Shanahan Mm -hmm. is like 1 in 30 when his team is trailing by at least four points going into the fourth quarter. Kyle Shanahan is not somebody who can make comebacks. What have they done the entire postseason? He's made comebacks. So now we're saying, because I get it, if you partaked or partook in that Super Bowl where the Falcons blew that 28-3 lead, you're probably going to be mentioned in this narrative. But also, he was going against a generational quarterback uh, Mm -hmm. in Tom Brady. But same thing gonna be going against Patrick Mahomes so I think if he does quote-unquote blow a lead it's not like it's necessarily a testament to how bad of a coach he is it's probably just Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things but the other thing is do you think the Niners will be able to you know build up a big lead against this Kansas City defense it's been really good uh I I think it's possible for sure I think anything is possible in a game like this. I also think that we need to like quantify or at least define what a lead <clears throat> is. Because if all of a sudden the, the Niners are leading the Chiefs 10-7 and then the Chiefs win, I don't think you can put that under the umbrella or under the category of Kyle Shanahan blew a lead, right? Like it, the, the, the amount of the lead matters when you have the lead matters. But an early lead by the 49ers does not constitute blowing a lead. Sometimes that's just the way a game goes. It goes back and forth. You have a competitive game and that's football. So I I think he sort of blew through this narrative coming back was, I think particularly huge for, for Kyle. And now to see it in back-to-back playoff games, I think is especially important because it's one thing to do it once. And then to do it again with so much on the line, I think speaks to the fact that like, it's not to say it can't happen again, but at the same time, you can always learn from those experiences, right? Part of this is a learning process because as as much as, and I think it's harder for coaches, but we always talk about players improving and players getting better and learning from previous experiences. Coaches can do that too. Do you know what I mean? Like Andy Reid is, mm-hmm. is honestly on the other side of the field is a perfect example. Now he has different personnel now, but what was the narrative about Andy Reid when he went to Kansas City? Can't win a big one. He can't. Took the Eagles to the NFC Championship game again, again, again. Couldn't win a bit. Can't do it. And here he is now. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. Has a couple rings. So I did Andy Reid suddenly just reinvent himself? No. Maybe he learned some things along the way, but he's still essentially the same coach. And I think you can apply similar principles to guys like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and I would spin off that even more forward in saying, 
I think it was a great thing that San Francisco had to play from behind in some of those games. It's Mm -hmm. similar to, you know, in March Madness where you see these dominant basketball teams and then they get down and they lose their minds. They don't know what to do. So for a team that was so dominant this year and uh, a team that that was one of the narratives going into the postseason was, okay, can they play from behind? Because it's a team that is very good at like building up this lead but can they come from behind? So I think it was not only good for Kyle Shanahan, but for this team's confidence as a whole. I think you're absolutely right about that. And now they know, hey, we can do something that we weren't able to do before. And we've done it twice now into the mm-hmm. biggest games of our season. Coming up next year on a show, the Donkster has been scorching hot. They'll try to keep it going for the second straight week when we hand out our best bets. That's next to the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on a Monday. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you along with us on a Monday. It is Super Bowl week. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Coming up, we'll bring you our best bets. Chelsea, you're excited for the Super Bowl. You got a party coming up. I have zero plans. I have absolutely none. Remember I told you on Friday that lovely Catherine and I were going to take it easy this week and it'd be chill. That did not happen. I am embarrassed. I mean, we looked at each other on Sunday and we were like, we're going on vacation like 15 days. We went mm-hmm. to a sports book and you know what was below this sports book? A strip club. Did we hit both? Yes, we did. We were with our friend Alyssa and we went out. We all had brunch together and then we were like, all right, let's go somewhere else. And Kath was like, let's go to the club. I'm like, ah, sure. It's a middle of the afternoon. We're watching basketball. You know how that goes. One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, you're downstairs at the club, and I'm telling you, that cannot happen again. We're trying to save some vacation. What are we doing? What am I doing? Oh, my God. Well, jeez. <laughs> I mean, very I know what I was doing. <laughs> contrast to what I did this weekend. So you yeah. were at a strip club. I was with five kids under the age of seven. Our neighbor was watching some of uh, her friend's kids. So her friend had three kids. So it was three yeah. extra girls, uh, Easton, who was the little boy, and then Blake. So that was my entire weekend because I was helping her watch some of the kids. So I was, you know, pirate zombies, and you were, you know, watching some girl dance with no clothes on to pour some <laughs> sugar on me. What a contrast. Oh, my Lord. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Thank God we didn't stay there that long. The reason why we made ourselves stay out, like I'm justifying it, but my friend Andre, who's a bouncer at my favorite bar, and he's been telling me for weeks, hey, my birthday's coming up. I'm like, I got it on the calendar, man. I'm not going to miss your birthday. But we started brunch at 145. It was kind of a late brunch. And his birthday, or he wasn't going to appear until like 930, he told me. So our question was, can we ride this out? 
Can we make it from now until 9.30? So we're trying to occupy ourselves and occupy our time. And by God, we did it. That was just like eight straight hours on a Saturday. I got to grow up at some point, Chelsea. I got to grow up and then I want to be able to come on this show and say, yeah, I was hanging out with the family. You know, we had a nice little birthday party. There were balloons. There were cake. It was cake. It was great. Instead, it's, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Baltimore. I'm trying to pay for it. Okay. <sighs> Quite a difference. <laughs> Quite a difference. <laughs> so did you go there for the strip club or did you go there for, didn't you say there was a sports betting place uh, on the top floor? Yeah, we went there for the sports betting place and we're like, oh, there's a club uh, underneath if we get, you know, if we get a wild hair. But of course, if you sit there long enough and you've had a few drinks mm-hmm. and you're watching a few games and, and of course they, when we were betting and the lovely Catherine, she bet on Florida to win outright over Texas A&M and got it at like plus 115. We were live betting and they lost by a point. They had two shots at the buzzer. Oh. Didn't go down. I was, and she was so upset. Like she was into the game. I'm like, yeah, this is how that gets you right here. But what they do is, which is actually smart business, is that when you want to place a bet at the kiosk, you got to put in money. They're not going to take a credit card. You got to go to the ATM and then you got to get money and then you feed the kiosk money. So that way you have money left over from the ATM, unless you're going to pull out 20 bucks, but you tend to pull out more than that. So then what happens is, oh, I've got some money left over from the eight, some cash. What should I do with this cash? Why don't we just go down a level and use this cash at the club? They don't let you use your card. And I remember figuring this out, like right in front of the kiosk and telling Kat, I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. And then I look over at the lady. She wasn't a server. She was just kind of the person taking reservations up front. I glance over at her after I'm sort of saying this out loud. And she looks at me and smiles and nods like, that's exactly what's going on here. And I was like, ah, now it makes sense. They want you to have cash in your pocket. Ooh, I forget that it's not so convenient for everybody to bet on sports. Like, it's so Mm -hmm. nice here in Tennessee because you can do it on your phone wherever you may be in the state. But I forget, some people are going to great lengths. Like, I have seen, you know, pictures of people who drive to state lines and they park and they make their bets. Yeah. (sighs) Glad that's not me. Not me either, but, you know, it was a good time. But at some point, as I always say, it's time for me to grow up. Coming up next on BetQL Daily, you know who's going to be there, Jason Lockin for Odyssey. NFL Insider will be along to get you ready for the big game as we continue our week's worth of Super Bowl 58 coverage. Also, if you missed our conversation about some of the burning questions surrounding the Super Bowl, we address those, and it's easy to get caught up. All you have to do is download and subscribe to the Daily Tip for every get your pods, Chelsea. It's a money-making time. Time to place your bets. Okay, Chelsea, it is a fresh week. We have some new bets. Where are you going? All right, so I did a deep dive on the Clippers and Hawks game because whenever there is an injury to one of the main players on a team, usually there's some value in the props market. So I'm doing that for the Atlanta Hawks. Clint Capella, their starting center is out. So you look to the backup center. And I'm looking squarely at Onyeka Onyeka Okongwu. Please forgive me if I am butchering that. But he has most recently entered the chat as the guy who's pulling down the rebounds. Even last game where Clint Capella played, had 16 boards. So now that Clint Capella is out of the picture, 
I feel like he is going to be the guy that's pulling down the rebounds for the Atlanta Hawks. If you look at the Clippers overall, a tough squad to go against when it comes to rebounding. But in each of the last two games, both opposing centers have gotten at least 10 boards. So the number for uh, Congo tonight is eight and a half. I'll take the over eight and a half rebounds for minus 135. It has just went up uh, for him. So the Clippers are coming off a back-to-back. Not sure if the effort's going to be there. So let's do that. Onyeka Kongwu over eight and a half rebounds for minus 135. Chelsea, I'm going to do something I haven't done all year long on this show. This is going to be, believe it or not, my first college basketball bet. Let's hope it goes well. The one I made my first NBA bet, which did not go well. But I'm going to the college game. Kansas at Kansas State, under 145 and a hook. Two rivals going at it tonight in Manhattan. And I think based on what we've seen out of these two teams, the under is the right call for a couple reasons. First of all, if you're looking at defense and points allowed, both of these teams are in the top 45, I think. So you've got two good defensive squads. And also, I read this earlier, which I thought was a pretty salient point. If you're looking at Kansas State and their offensive metrics, remember, Kansas State has played, what, four overtime games this season? So some of those numbers are a touch inflated overall because of those extra sessions, which hopefully we won't get tonight. And I think Kansas has to be a little bit tired after battling Houston on Saturday, a great defensive club. Now, The Cougars allowed more points than they had allowed all season long. So Kansas was great in that game. But I feel like going from Houston to Kansas State is going to be a bit of a grind for Kansas. I actually like the Wildcats and the points. Kansas State undefeated at home this season. They're getting five and a half points. But I think the under is the call tonight in Manhattan. Under 145 and a hook is the play. The last time I bet on K-State, they had like five points through like the first 10 minutes of play. So maybe you'll get that. That would actually go in your favor if you are hitting the under. All right, time now to get to the third member of our Best Bets crew, and that is the Magic 8-Ball. Let us gaze upon the glorious Magic 8-Ball. Shall it fade or tail these noble betters? All right, let's see if I can pronounce this yet again. Uh, my best bet of the day is Onyeka Okongwu of the Atlanta Hawks. Over eight and a half rebounds against the Clippers. A-Ball, what do we say? A-Ball says yes, definitely. Ooh, nailed it. All right, how about Kansas K-State under 145 and a half for Jinx? A-Ball says most likely. Hell yes, brother. That's what I'm yes. talking about. Hell yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. There you go, Chelsea. I know I can get you going on that. Your voice sounds so much better. I know when you're dropping the hell yeah, you got to be feeling better. Hell yeah, brother. If you want to check out the show, in fact, you want to check out every show on the BetQL Network, it's really easy to do. Twitch.tv slash BetQL. Speaking of BetQL, let's do your five-star best bet. Doxter's in timeout. So that's the BetQL mainframe. No, no. Is it a hard line connection? Absolutely not. These are inflationary times. It's just a regular dial-up. The BetQL five-star best bet is Nickel State laying seven and a half, hosting 
Northwestern State. The Donkster's been hot, though. Eight and one last week. That's a record for him. So he needs to stay in timeout while he keeps winning. Speaking of winners, let's bring in Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL Daily and find out what's going to be on the show. Aaron, good to see your face. Good morning. Good Monday morning. How you guys doing? We are not in Vegas, sadly. No. Our show would be so early if it was, though. So I get it. I get it. So would our show. Ours would be a night. No, I know. That's what I mean. We would be a night show. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, tough. Tough to do. Okay. But I'm excited for everyone that's there. I'm going to ask you this because I felt let down because Joe gave a terrible answer. Did you have an AOL screen name? And what was it? My, oh my gosh. Wow. Is it going to be embarrassing? (laughs) It's a little pervy. Oh, you're no, what it's is not it? pervy. Oh, man. When I was a kid, I used to watch the soap opera All My Children. So oh. I had like the screen name Pine Valley, which is the city where like the show is filmed, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Pine Valley. Crazy, I right? I know. Yeah. That's a better answer, at least. <laughs> That's, That's at really least interesting. Like, yeah, I guess. I feel vulnerable now. Wasn't planning on uh, giving this information. Revealing Pine Valley. That's a good answer, though. It's a good story. It makes sense when you're a kid, though, right? Like something just stands out to you and you just roll with it. You know what I mean? I did have like Aaron Lynn, one, two, three. Lynn's my middle name, but that's boring. So uh, I had two. Pine, Va- Pine Valley for the win. Absolutely. Aaron, good to see you. Have a great show. Sorry, not in Vegas. We'd be going live from a truck stop because we'd be at the middle of the night. That's it for us here on the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM for Chelsea. I'm Jeez. Have a fantastic Monday. You've been listening to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.